Hello, dear listeners of the Education Newscast. Today we have another episode in English, and this time I stood up very early because, uh, yeah, my interviewee Chris is located in Australia. Yeah, so let's make it quick, uh, dear Chris. Could you please introduce yourself today? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Thomas. Great to talk to you again. Uh, so. My name is Chris Dwyer. I've been with SAP for almost 23 years now. Most of that time working in the what was the education business, now called the training and adoption business. Uh, I've worked, started in SAP Australia. Uh, I've worked a long time in, in the UK, which is where I met you, Thomas, and we worked with Kevin on a couple of things. So I think I've had about 13 years working in the UK in a variety of different roles, both in UK and EMEA roles. Uh, and then I moved back to Singapore in 2013 where I ran the regional operational team for the education business for two and a half years. And I spent two and a half years running the Southeast Asia education business. Uh, and then I moved back to Sydney, back to home uh, about two and a half years ago, where I was running the customer engagement group for training and adoption cloud products for APJ and Greater China. Uh, and I've just recently changed roles and I'm now globally running a new team called the Learning Advisory Group. Ah, learning advisory sounds interesting. So, so could you describe a little bit what you're doing there? Yeah, sure. So I believe that learning is the key driver of user adoption, and it's the only path to, to real long-term sustainable success for our customers. So this year, I've been lucky enough to lead a global transformation effort within SAP to deliver this new advisory offering to help our customers uh, across all the different cloud lines of business to use learning as an adoption driver. So our cloud customers can now engage my team free of charge to have a tailored plan around all things that relate to learning, including how we approach change management, guidance around relevant learning journeys for administrators, support teams, project teams, and so on, uh, advice on best practices around user enablement and adoption, including things like how they might approach a learning strategy, needs analysis, and how they might approach content build and deployment. Yeah, interesting. Thanks so much. So, so also, uh, depending on, on that background uh, for the listeners, so we thought uh, we named the episode Learning Experiences That Stick because it's all about learning experience and experience economy, customer learning engagement. Mm -hmm. And that's what we also would like to, to dive in now. So not only at SAP, uh, in the whole industry, the experience economy is, is pretty uh, growing in importance. And uh, like customer experience, user experience, all uh, established uh, concepts. So where do you see the impact, let's say, on learning experience? Uh, could you describe that a bit, please? Yeah, well, very simply, you can't do CX without UX. And you can't do UX mm -hmm. without learning. So a solid approach to learning underpins everything we do in the experience economy. So just take a step back. I mean, what is the experience economy about? It's about creating memorable, unique, personalized experiences for our customers. That's how you drive brand loyalty. You can't do that with a bot. To be successful, you need to have your people enabled, empowered, and engaged to deliver those great experiences. And this is where learning is key. And uh, do you have any tips for companies to improving uh, their learning experiences for their yeah. employees or customers? Yeah, when talking about learning, you need to remember content is king and context is queen. Mm. So my key tip is to make sure that you provide learning to support the moments that matter. Learning needs to be available on demand to be used right at the point and time of need. That's how you ensure that learning has the greatest impact. 
Yeah, so what I personally actually like around learning experiences uh, is that it, it's a, let's say, entire framework. It's not mm. only, let's say, a new process, like a uh, new instructional design model, because it's uh, it's only touching the heart, the emotions. And probably that's one of the yeah, success factors. Or what, what, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely agree with you completely. You know, learning is a, is a very personal process, right? Mm. A lot of organizations think if you teach, therefore people learn. Teaching and learning, as we know, are not the same thing. Learning is a completely internal, personal process. And so, yeah, absolutely right. So now I would also like a little bit uh, talk about customer and learning engagement, which is also, let's say, probably part of your job. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we at SAP, but actually I think we see that in many cloud companies, uh, we are, we're investing uh, these days more into customer success. Uh, and can you give a little bit uh, examples on how this looks like in the training and adoption area, like what, what you and your team are doing, for example? Yeah. There is an understanding in SAP about the fundamental role of learning and ensuring customer success. And I'm not just talking about training courses. And I think a lot of people still see us that way. We need to broaden the conversation here. Learning is something that happens every day in every employee. And as I mentioned a moment ago, learning is a very internal process that we all go through. Now, organizations who understand that difference, organizations who can build the time, the ability, the capacity to allow this learning to develop within their employees, reap the rewards. Organizations who are successful in this regard are proven to be more innovative, more productive, to have fewer workplace safety incidents, lower absenteeism, lower staff turnover, and overall better performance. So because of this, within SAP, there's been a big focus on how do we push our development efforts towards enabling learning to take place anywhere and everywhere. We've got these amazing tools now to accelerate content development, to deliver content in lots of different formats, to be consumed on demand. We're developing machine learning translation capability to remove language as a barrier to learning. Being able to see user behavior allows us the opportunity to shape those behaviors through improved screen design, through targeted micro-learning interventions. We've got some really cool gamification as well around learning to support SAP system deployments. And all of these have the same single motivation to reduce the barriers to learning to make our customers more successful. Uh, yeah, this touched uh, one interesting point uh, where where uh, I would like to uh, deep dive a little bit. So you mentioned user behavior because I know you have cool dashboards and I think many other internal learning departments can learn of that. Of course, we also have some kind of commercial interest, yeah, that customers use the software, uh, use the SAP software, use the training software uh, to have a sustainable rela relationship. Uh, uh, however, you mentioned looking at user behavior. So what kind of tools are you using and how do you, let's say, reap the, the benefits there? This is a very interesting topic, particularly when you're dealing with a customer success environment. And a lot of cloud organizations will be familiar with this, right? So a lot of the metrics we use in terms of adoption focus on the basics, right? How do, you, how do you measure that something has been adopted? How do you see that the, the system is truly adopted? And in the cloud world, a lot of people will start by saying, well, it's, it's about the license consumption, <laughs> right? Huh. You sold a thousand licenses and a thousand users are registered on the system. Therefore, it's been adopted. Well, no, that, that's not it. And then it's okay. Well, it's about what's configured. 
right? You bought all this stuff, you've configured everything, therefore it's been adopted. Well, yeah. okay, that's better, but it's still not it, right? What it really is adoption. Adoption is making sure the users are getting functional value from the solution, right? So we need to be able to track not just that the license has been redeemed, not just that the system has been configured, but the users are actually working in the system productively, okay? And we need to look at things like error rates and mm. idle time versus active time and these sort of things, which give us clues and hints about, okay, what's happening with our screen flow? What's happening with our process flow? Is this too complex? Is this easy enough to use and so on? And looking at things like, you know, the number of errors being generated, whether they're system errors or user errors and those sort of things, in combination with some of these other metrics around idle time versus active time and so on, allows us to start focusing on where can we have some targeted interventions to maximize the value of that intervention? The reality is we don't have the budget to train everybody on everything, right? We want to focus mm. our resources on those things which will have the biggest impact. And so if we can start to look at what's really happening in terms of user behavior within a system and then focus on you know, looking at trend information and so on, where we have the largest number of errors being created by the largest number of users and so on. If we can be very focused, then with a very minimal impact, we can have a very big uh, change in terms of system behavior and system benefit. Mm. Yeah, I, I like this focus on outputs, not only the inputs, because often mm. people measure the inputs like number of people enrolled uh, in a learning whatever platform or content. Uh, but if you look at errors or idle time or whatever you what, what you mentioned, that's more the output and that's actually the benefit people perceive from the system or. Absolutely. So uh, could you share perhaps some tips uh, for companies to make learning stick, like let's say also out of your experience from uh, customer and learning engagement? Yeah, so my first tip, I mentioned earlier, teaching and learning are not the same thing, okay? And there's a, a commonly quoted learning methodology, I guess you could call it out there, the 70-20-10 approach, which says that 70% of what we learn is through experience, 20% through social learning, 10% through formal learning. Mm -hmm. So if you focus on how you teach your people, that's just the 10%, right? You're ignoring the other 90% of what's out there. So my first tip is to make sure you factor in the other 90%. The teaching bit's important, right? That gives you that foundation but it's only the foundation, it's only the 10%. And when you're looking at a strategy around how you drive learning to drive your success as an organization, you've got to consider the other 90%, the informal stuff. And my second tip, when we're looking at that informal stuff, that includes user-generated learning. Now, one of my favorite questions to ask an organization, I go in and meet these C-level executives within an organization, and I say, okay, do you allow user-generated learning to take place in your organization? Oh, no, 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 we have a formal process, da, 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 da. I'm sorry, it's, that's not correct. There is user-generated learning happening in every organization, right? You've got to understand what's working, what's happening at the moment, right, within your organization. How do I take the stuff that's working well and make it better? How do I spread the benefit, right? So my second tip is to find out what's already happening around informal learning and user-generated learning within your business, because there's something there. Find out what it is and make it better. 
My third tip, this is not just about, and I think you touched on this a, a little while ago, Thomas, this is not just about learning the next set of skills that you need, right? The shelf life for skills is getting shorter all the time. So if you just focus on what's next set of skills you need, you're always going to be chasing where you need to be. What you need to focus on now is building resilience in your organization by making learning an everyday thing. Our resilience is a great point uh, because especially in this whole COVID pandemic, like where, where we're currently, like in October 2020, uh, I think that's more important than ever. Like people talk about organizational resilience, yeah, but of course also for the individuals and teams, it's, it's important uh, so that they are motivated, productive. All right, uh, great points. Thanks very much for sharing that. So perhaps uh, let's look a little bit at the SAP training offerings uh, uh, like SAP Enable Now or SAP Learning Hub. So could you share how customers can get the most out of them? So what your experience is on that? I would say aligned to what I was talking about earlier, right? This is about how mm -hmm. do you support learning every day? Don't think about your project and just think about the project. You've got to think about What's going to happen after the project ends? Okay. The reality is a go live and deployment are very important dates, but in the context of organizational learning, those are just a couple of early events in a long life cycle. Think of it this way. Some people talk about the deployment running of an SAP environment as the wedding and the marriage, right? So the project itself, that's the wedding. And a lot of work goes into the build-up for what is a single event, the wedding, right? The go-live, that's the wedding. Mm. And a lot of people focus only on the wedding, and they don't think about what comes next. They don't think about the marriage. But as we know from experience, the marriage is the important bit, right? So you've got to think about how, how will you continue to support learning in the organization once the project is ended, once the budgets for the project have gone away, once the project team isn't there anymore, All right. The situation is very different then. So what does that look like? Plan for that now. And tools like Enable and like Learning Hub are perfect, mm -hmm. right? They, they are perfect to support ongoing learning in business as usual, mm -hmm. you know, support the marriage part. Yeah. I like the metaphor marriage, yeah, because you're right. That's more the marathon. And the first one is perhaps a single event, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, by the way, if we talk about ex learning experience or experience in general, Uh, so next to the 2010-2070 approach, mm. which also like in Germany, for example, Europe, I think it's uh, everywhere pretty uh, popular and well-known. Mm. So do you have any other, let's say, frameworks or models you use to explain the whole context to customers? Uh, primarily, we use 70-2010 when we're talking about this stuff. Mm. So it's um, we've got a lot of interesting content to try and visualize that. Uh, but yeah, it, 7020 is what you use. I mean, I did a master's degree in lifelong learning, and we spent a lot of time looking at all the different behaviorist, behaviorist and cognitive and humanist theories of learning. And you know what? They're all very dull, and they're all very um, specific to one observed set of behaviors around learning. Right? The thing I like about 702010 is it draws from elements of all of those into something which works and you can work with very easily. So 702010 for me is is the way forward in terms of our approach to learning. Yeah, yeah, I think it's still very it's a simple, but that's a powerful uh, uh, part of it. Uh, Correct. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, now regarding uh, also in the SAP training context, uh, let's say how customers can get most out of uh, learning and learning, let's say, uh, software, learning platforms mm -hmm. and so on. So do you have any concrete examples, perhaps also from your market, uh, like uh, Asia, Australia mm -hmm. or so? Mm -hmm. We're working with a number of customers who are getting great value from, from these sorts of tools. So there's a, one example that comes to my mind very quickly because I actually did a podcast with our key contact at Sydney Water uh, a few months ago. Mm. They used SAP Enable Now right from the early phases of their implementation project. They actually integrated Enable Now with their solution manager deployment and started using it to document all their processes very early on in the, in the project. By doing that, they could massively accelerate the deployment of the learning content to support their rollout. So their wedding, we come back to my earlier analogy, went really, really well. More importantly, now that they are live, they're still using the performance support capabilities of Enable Now to ensure that the users have ongoing access to relevant content in lots of different formats that they can consume at any time while they're working in the live system. So that makes for a happy marriage as well as they continue to live with their new system. Interesting. So in the end, I, I probably the intercultural differences are not that big. So we see the same use cases uh, around the globe, which uh, yeah, which actually also makes sense. So before we come to more personal questions around your personal development, so do you have any questions back or anything to add? Uh, some stuff I didn't ask or so. Uh, no, not off the top of my head. No, question. no I think the question has been very good. It's been very interesting. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so in the podcast, usually we also ask always some more personal questions mm. because I think you also always can learn from persons and their experience. So, so what is on your to-learn list this year? You know, everyone has a to-do list or many to-do lists. Some have explicit, some have implicit uh, to learn lists. So, so are you ha do you have any new skills you want to learn? Uh, nothing. I don't have an explicit to learn list, as you mentioned. So perhaps a more mm. of an implicit one. But for me, every day is a school day. So rather than having an explicit to learn list, I simply approach each day with the expectation there's something I'm going to learn. Um, these days, I'm doing a lot of construction work around my home. So I'm learning a lot of manual skills. Okay. Right. So you know, <laughs> putting up plasterboard and, you know, plastering the walls and you know, that sort of thing. And what was your latest, most relevant learning experience? Was it from construction or any, anything else you could share? Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I had to cut a hole into a wall in my home and install the new door frame. Uh -huh. So it's the first time we've put in a new door frame. So that was an exciting new learning experience. Uh, are you aware of, uh, of uh, let's say, any professional learning experience you had recently? So it doesn't have to be formal learning. Yeah, Most people first think about the last uh, class they have been, but mm. you learn every day, like you mentioned. So can you, is anything coming up? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're deploying this new learning advisory process. So from a work perspective, there's mm -hmm. a lot of new stuff there in terms of the approach to the customer and, and the templates we're using to support that and, and so on. So that's also been nice. Um, I've got a very good team of people, a lot of experience and sharing that experience. There's always new things to learn there. Okay, that brings me uh, to the next point. Do you uh, have any favorite sources or can you share any helpful links or so like books, podcasts, blogs, anything where you learn uh, from? Uh, the main area I learn is from my team. 
I learn a lot from every day. So mm. I surround myself by smart and dedicated people and I try and learn everything they have to teach me. Uh, there are a few other things I refer to as well, like Harvard Business Review, for instance. There's a lot of interesting stuff posted there. Um, but yeah, mostly I learn from the people who, who I have around me. Any podcasts, just out of interest, you know, we are podcast fans uh, here. So do you listen to any more local podcasts? <laughs> Actually, I, I'm not really, personally, I'm not really into podcasts. My wife listens to all this podcast, okay. but uh, no, I, I don't. Maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, we actually have recorded so i probably we should start getting into them <laughs> yeah actually we, we plan to record further english-speaking podcasts yeah we now have it uh, set up an english only channel on spotify already so other right. podcasts will come next so we had some interesting discussions already uh so also for the listeners uh, uh i think next week or so we share also the links actually we can share it in the show notes uh yeah And so, yeah, just as an outro, so for everyone listening, so we will put the links uh, Chris mentioned in the show notes, uh, like to the Sydney Water reference, for example. I think we can do that or anything else we could share. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a couple more things in there for you as well. Yeah. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, and uh, like always, we're very happy if you share the podcast, if you like it on Apple Podcast. And uh, yeah, I think it was not too long, but I think oh, we are we are we are now through the questions. Uh, so I would like to say thanks to, to Chris. Uh, everyone. Yeah, thanks so much for all of you listeners so, who listen now uh, for taking the time, and ho I hope you got some interesting impressions and point of view. So. Yeah, bye-bye. Thanks all, bye. -bye. Thanks,